Discuss the uh, tragic sudden passing of MF Doom, a uh, rapper, DJ, hip hop artist that was a big inspiration for the both of us. Um, we're doing today's episode in two parts. Our first is a conversation with our friend Brendan Shields, and then the second piece is a, uh, a chat Ben and I had with our friends Gavin and D of the Pick and Roll podcast over in the UK. Um, we had some technical audio issues in that second conversation. You'll hear it, uh, I'm sure. Just bear with it. It's a really fun conversation, so hopefully you can get through it. And uh, without further ado, here is us remembering MF Doom. All right, we're back. Swish FM, Chris Mendelsa, and Ben Craw. Uh, ben, we are joined today by a very special guest. We have a... A very special guest. <laughs> editor, live events producer, DJ, hip-hop connoisseur. Ben, your VJ, DJ. Yeah, your co-pilot, Ben, one half of Smash TV, Brendan That's Shields. Right. B, this is a long time coming, man. How are you doing? Thanks for joining us. What's up, fellas? Thank you for having me. Uh, excited to be on the show. So excited to have you, Brendan. This is, uh, yeah, like as Chris said, a, a long time coming, long overdue. Um, yeah, um, very, very psyched and amped and uh, pleased that you uh, have deigned us with your presence today on the show. Likewise, my friends. Wish it were... Wait, uh, is that the right word? Dain- uh, uh, graced us. Not deigned us. Graced <laughs> yeah, us whatever. with your presence. Dain- you know Dain- what I meant. Deigned, deigned to grace us with your presence. Uh, <laughs> That's I, what I, I meant. I wish it was under better circumstances. Some some sad news we're going to talk yeah. about in a little bit here. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. But this sure. is a celebration today, folks. This is not a uh, this is not a funeral. It is a celebration. Right. Uh, yeah. Well, B, you just mentioned it. So I guess late last week, I think it was on Thursday, if memory serves correct, uh, New Year's Eve. Eve, yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. it was announced that, um, I guess, back in October of 2020, we lost uh, an icon, MF Doom. This is a guy that uh, I know had, like, a big impact on all of us. And, Brendan, it was actually you that introduced me to MF Doom at, at your apartment. Um, Brendan and Ben, once upon a time, lived together in Williamsburg, and uh way we, back baby yeah 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 we had a lot of good times hanging out at your apartment but um we sure did yeah so uh we're pouring one out today for for mf doom we just wanted to reminisce a little bit and just kind of talk about his influence and how he came across his music and 
just kind of all that stuff. So I guess B, like, yeah, just kind of curious, like, how did, how did you come across Doom? And like, like, do you remember the first album that you of his that you found? And what was like your response when you heard it? I, I have somewhat of an unconventional like first exposure to Doom in that I came across him as a producer first, not a rapper. Um, so in 2003, I started DJing just for fun. And uh, I had these internet friends in the UK that I would trade DJ mixes with. Hmm. Uh, they would record stuff of, of BBC for me, and I would give them stuff I made or other rare stuff. So it was a fun kind of trading back and forth, uh, you know, back in the, the Napster and early Soulseek days. Um, so I like this guy's mixes uh, that went by HAL, like HAL 9000, the computer from 2001 Space Odyssey. And he used this track that I really liked um, by MF Doom. I now know it is the instrumental to one of his earlier tracks off Operation Doomsday called Gastrols. Uh, and it was just a really cool sample. It's actually a sample of Black Cow by uh, Steely Dan. And that <laughs> nice. is a track that was sampled pretty uh, extensively in the 90s. You guys probably know it better from uh, Deja Vu, or Uptown Baby by Lord Tariq and Peter Guns. Mm. Uh, that is that famous sample. But MF Doom used a different part of the song that like nobody uh, was really using. Uh, it's just a really short like two-second bridge, and, and I really fell in love with the track. Uh, so from there, I went and discovered what uh, this release, this instrumental release series called Special Herbs uh, that he did. And it was actually a 10-volume uh, series of instrumentals and B-sides, uh, no vocals. So that's really where I first fell in love with Doom. And then from there, uh, as you guys know, 2003, 2004 were very prolific years for him, which we can talk about in a little bit. And uh, I, I just really went down the rabbit hole at that point. Ben, did, so is it fair to assume that you learned about Doom through Brennan, just living together? A hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, that is entirely accurate. <laughs> it's so funny. I, uh, it's like it literally, yeah. Like Brendan, I mean, you know, this is the hundred and actually, this is the hundred and fiftieth episode <clears throat> of this podcast. And I, as I've wow, yeah, as I've told Ben Boom. at various points over the course of the show, like. Uh, ben Craw has like in, shaped uh, a lot of like my, my film sensibilities in a lot of ways. Like when I think back on like my twenties, I think a lot about like watching movies, w you know, with you and Ben at your apartment on Mauser Street. Brendan, sure. Brendan, you in many ways shaped so many of my music sensibilities. It's funny. So later in this episode, uh, B, we we uh, Ben and I talked with our friends Gavin and D. And mm -hmm. I was kind of like reminiscing with them that like, I feel like music, um, maybe even more so than movies for me, but like music, I, I, it, I always have these like emotional sort of like associations, like of like a period in my life, you know? And yeah, um, time and place, totally. time and place. And like MF doom and, uh, Victor Vaughn vaudeville villain, uh, oh, yeah. for We're me, talk about that one. yeah, man, for me, that was like, really the crosshairs of my friendship and like relationship with you. Like, so when I heard that MF doom passed away, it was like very personal to me because in a lot of ways, like that, 
you know, MF Doom was like my entry point to my friendship with like you guys in, in, in a lot of weird, in kind of a weird way. So like, I'll always think about you with that album, Vaudeville Villain. And, um, yeah, man, it does. It just feels like a piece of my soul. Like my, my twenties like died the other day. It's very strange. Uh, it's funny because uh, tying this into basketball, uh, I had just kind of a rule that I had worked out with our great mutual friend Adam Lustick, who I grew up with and, and lived with uh, in the early years of Brooklyn. And uh, Adam, big uh, basketball fan, and uh, I, I am not the biggest sports guy. I've gotten more into it, but we had kind of a deal worked out. You know, okay, you can put on the game whenever. But I, I get to DJ. You have to put on the the audio super quiet. <laughs> That's and I awesome. will put on tracks. Uh, I think much to everybody's chagrin at first, but then I think people no. gradually no, started to like it. It's after like a while. the best rule. <laughs> Ultimately, if you can't watch the game on TV like a piece of like silent dance, then it's probably like yeah. not good yeah. enough. It's probably not good enough to watch. And sure. uh, in the same way, I feel like if if you can't watch something while soaking in like an auditory experience, it's probably not worth listening to. And I felt like MF Doom always held my attention at your apartment. I mean, it was just like intoxicating, you know? I mean, that's really what Ben and I live for, finding these happy accidents of like, wow, this video footage lines up perfectly to this audio now. And you just that is to- quite literally the mission statement of smash tv yeah so. <laughs> you just have to put yourself in a position enough times where it's like this best game is goddamn beautiful right now yeah yeah i remember like knowing of doom definitely like hearing his name and stuff you know when he when he reemerged in the in the uh, late 90s with his like debut album and like i was into hip-hop a lot but i was definitely not like v- very knowledgeable at all i was just into like you know, like fun party music basically that I could like throw on at, you know, house parties in my college days. And, um, I was, you know, I definitely like leaned more towards like stuff you could like put on and like rock out to at a party. So I wasn't like dipping my toes too, too deeply into like stuff like, you know, doom is like such a, like, if you put it on for someone, you know, just like randomly, unless you had, like, an hour to, like, sit down with them and be like, no, 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 you need to, like, listen to all of this. Like, it's not the kind of song, or not not the kind of music where you'd, like, pick out, like, one track and be like, hey, this is, like, an awesome song. Because he exists in, like, such a, like... I, I like, sort of view him as, like, this entire, like, world, kind of, that you have to just sure. immerse yourself in. Well, he did one concept of things- albums, essentially, and perhaps you could even say a concept career i mean yeah his, exactly his whole persona was a concept yeah which is what i what i love like once i once you like sort of properly introduced him to me brendan and like i sort of started like taking a like a longer and closer look at him it was like discovering yeah like a comic book or or like something where you're like oh this is like a whole entire like universe to like explore and like understand which i still don't fully like complete like all his like alter egos and you know obviously like the the use of the mask and his identity and his backstory and like all this stuff like uh, you know most of which is you know rooted in in real life um and we'll definitely have to like talk about his like origin story of uh you know the tragedy the, the double trap well the the real tragedy of losing his brother in, in 93 and then getting dropped like directly after that by his record label did, did um, you know about kmd 
growing up then i i did not I was not really that. like they were yeah like i knew of like all those groups around them like de la soul and you know sure. brand nubian and um uh third base you know where where he uh debuted uh where doom you know had his first verse um gas face but right? i wasn't gas face yeah um i wasn't uh, i definitely like wasn't a big enough like you know indie hip-hop fan um to to like really be familiar with them um, but uh, I think it was yeah, pretty like, obscure. To be fair, um, yeah, I don't know. Like they they weren't like a, a tribe called Quest or a Far Side or right, something right. like that that really blew up in the indie scene. Right, because they were like they were sort of similar, but they were just like a little weirder and like a little more. And they were dealing, I think, with more uh, like you know, sort of like heavy like racial stuff in their yeah. KMB um, was in more their lyrics militant for sure yeah yeah um and it's amazing that uh you know that and we talked about this like what we rather we will talk about this later in the episode in the in this episode with our uh, other guests but um the whole story of of electra um kmd's record label deciding to fucking like tell him to leave the label simply because of a piece of cover art that Doom, by the way, uh, drew, conceived and drew himself. I did. Uh, he was also know a, a visual artist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He drew, he made that that record that uh, that album cover uh, for Black Bastards, uh, which depicted you know a Sambo figure being uh, like hung from a tree. Um, and because it was just like such such a controversial thing, um, like even though obviously if you're like at all intelligent, you like look at that and you understand like the message that it's trying to put forth which is uh you know i would say a very positive and and intelligent one of like trying to destroy stereotypes um the record label was just like no sorry we can't do this um not only can you not uh have this as your uh cover but you need to just leave the entire label <laughs> and like the fact that that is what basically like you know created the origin of this of this like larger than life um you know super villain is just like so perfect and 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 like awesome um and uh and yeah just again it just like ties into the, the like the, almost like the the world building yes. uh, that that doom did sure he know? has a tragic villain origin story like yeah a, a real yeah. one yeah um yeah and the fact that he just like completely like went off the map for like six years before re-emerging it just feels very like honest and and like legit to 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 have that as like you know his his backstory. Yeah, man, and I think you hear that in the music. You know, it's just like you. I mean, I I know it's like a hard thing to put your finger on or to quantify or whatever, but like you can't fake real. You know, like there's an authenticity mm-hmm. to his music that's like, yeah, I I know this guy. I feel like I feel like I know this guy, <laughs> or or I could know this guy. Um, and he could be sitting with us hanging out in this apartment with us right now. And, uh, I mean, be like, you know, to like what Ben was saying in so many ways, I, I didn't grow up a hip hop fan. Um, and nor did I actually, I, I was yeah, in college when I, I really got into to hip hop. So this was like a pretty, you know, in so many ways, like you introducing me to, to mf doom like really broke my brain in like a lot of ways where it's like wait i didn't understand hip-hop could sound like this you know like i didn't understand that like someone could be also just like this performative where you could be playing a character (laughs) you know it was like this like pseudo like 
performance. It, it was more than just music. It was like this whole, like, cr- like Ben said, like creation of a world, like creation of a genre, really, um, <laughs> where it was like, it felt like experimental theater, you know, like, again, I, I think back to a, a time and a place in my life where I was doing like weird, weird theater in New York. And I was like, it was so inspiring to hear that stuff, uh, to hear those sounds to be like, wow, so this is possible to like do this, to, to make commercial art, have it be fucking very weird and have it be this good. Um, it was it was like a real revelation for me. It was really inspiring. I think authenticity is the right word there too, mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. he he is like a very goofy dude. He's obviously very smart. Um, what I liked about his approach, kind of, was especially uh, you know in the '90s, there was so much fucking posturing. Yeah. Uh, oh, you yeah. know, like I'm living this lifestyle. Yep. Fuck this guy. <laughs> you know, I sell all the drugs, whatever. Still, <laughs> absolutely the case in, in a lot of mainstream hip hop. But now here's this guy who's just rapping about whatever is going on in his life or some insane yeah. supervillain story. Yeah, or whatever's going on in his brain when he's stoned. Like, nothing to do with, I mean, like, so much of his stuff is just, like, pure, like, free association. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, and I do want to get into, like, some some verses later, if we can. Oh, just hell yeah. Because he, he was really a writer, first and foremost. And, uh, you know, a lot of that stuff does sound like it's just off the dome, but I, I think uh, it was very purposely uh and meticulously crafted a lot of the times but yeah uh, yeah go ahead no to your point brendan like he i i totally agree i feel like something about his music that i really responded to was that like i never felt like he was trying to tell me that he was tougher or harder than he actually was where it was like like i i know i'm sure that he's plenty tough like i'm sure that he's like i know like you know reading about him and learning more about him now that like he experienced the depths of like grief and sorrow in like ways that frankly I could never understand, you know? Um, but like, I, I just never felt like in his music that he was trying to convince me that he was someone that who, like someone who he was not, you know, like he always felt very true, very, very like true to what he was. Um, sure. And even that, if it was like different sides of his personality, yeah. like Victor Vaughn is like, an alter ego yes. to MF Doom. Yes. And it's kind of like the more it's like grounded, more down to earth version of, you know, who would become the supervillain or whatever. So he's still like, you know, getting up to no good. Uh, but I think he even references like, you know, something along the lines of like, Oh, you wouldn't, you wouldn't like doom or something like that. Like you don't want to see this, this side. Yeah. Yeah, dude. And I never felt like I was being even even in his like creation, even in his fantasy world, like creating character, I never felt like he was manipulating me. You know what I mean? I know that's like such a weird thing to say, but like you know like Yeah, if, he wasn't like you, posturing if you and, see a and movie like, or TV show or a play, you know like when someone is trying to like sell you a bill of goods where it's like you're not that guy. Like you're you're just not that guy <laughs> versus someone that is giving you like a real true like performance of a thing where you're like, holy shit, I think you're maybe that 
thing that you say you are. Sure. Yeah. The thing that I liked about him a lot, the, you know, back, especially in the 90s and late 90s as like more like indie underground hip hop emerged as like the, you know, the the antidote or the, or the um, you know, the opposite, I guess, of, of like mainstream commercial rap. Um, and so much of that stuff kind of turned me off because it was so militant and so like, oh, like Puff Daddy with the dancing and the jewelry and like blah, blah, blah. And like, that's all bullshit. And like being like, you know, naked girls in your videos and all that stuff. And like, while I sort of agree with it in my head, it wasn't fun to listen to people just like complaining about the fact that they didn't make as much money or like except for as... for cool keith i would say that is the one exception <laughs> to that rule yeah yeah because yeah. he is Fair very enough. funny and very mean <laughs> right if you're if you're like if you have a sense of humor about it but so much of it was just like so self-serious and so mm-hmm. like this is the real hip-hop and like you know jay-z and biggie smalls are like not real like blah 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 and it's like all right but like that's fucking lame and boring and you sound like you're like scolding me if I like have a party and put on Snoop Doggy Dog. Um, and I like didn't, I just didn't want to hear that in my, in like my music. Um, but the thing I love about doom is that he never really did that. Like he would, he would like often a lot in his, in his rhymes, he would like juxtapose himself and, and, you know, kind of like poke fun of, uh, of like, you know, more commercial rap, but he never like, named anyone he never like singled any any people out he didn't try to like any, any start fun of beef. himself yeah dude, oh, wow. right so it's very thing. like self-deprecating he had such a sense of humor he, man like he was so funny yeah. about yeah. himself about other people about the world that he operated in right dude he's so it never felt like, like creating, self-serious he's creating like a comic book character persona like you have to have a sense of like irony and humor about yourself just like right, in right. what you're doing you know I was just getting into such an eclectic range of music at the time, so it was really cool to see, uh, you know, I I was into, like, kind of the madcap sampling of, like, early Dilla and Farside Tribe, if you want to go farther back, De La Soul, whatever you want to reference. Beastie Boys. Yeah, Yeah, sure, but I really like the kind of Saturday morning cartoons aesthetic of mm. a lot of his productions where it had literal clips from cartoons in it. He would sample stuff like Scooby-Doo. And then once he got involved with Mad Lib, who I could do an entire show on uh, as well. Uh, I, I Really, those two go hand in hand. I mean, Mad Villainy, uh, considered a, a classic by many, yeah. myself included. Yeah. And uh, that, that was just a partnership that uh, worked so well. Uh, and lasted for so long that Doom could always just spit over Mad Lib's beats and, and vice versa. Is there an album that be that you always come back to when uh, if you're in the mood to listen to Doom? Is there one that you always put on? Like for me, I always put on uh, Vodva Villain. Like that's the one that you gave me, and I yep, will always that's just like, mine yeah. as well. Uh, I just think 2003 and 2004 were just insane years for that type of hip-hop in general. You know, you had your early Stone's Throw uh, starting. You had pretty much peak period uh, Dilla. And then you had Mad Lib just going through an insanely prolific period from, like, 2003 to 2010. Uh, but something about Vaudeville Villain just really... The production is really cool. I, I like it even more than Mad Villainy. Uh, is by... I. 
I don't know if it's a person or a collective that goes by Sound Inc., uh, but also has beats hmm. by like RJD2, who was oh really a pretty wow big name at the time yeah and he had uh, that, what was that one track that was like just ubiquitous in college um, yeah the, it was off the horror uh, it had that Elliot Smith sample Ghostwriter yeah, I, I, yeah yes Ghostwriter that's right. Yeah, that song was played like basically every time I was stoned from like the year two thousand one to two thousand three. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I discovered that in college as well, and that was certainly a staple at uh, yeah. our old apartment as well. Uh, how about you guys? I, I know Chris, you like vaudeville villain uh, Ben. Do you have a a favorite of his ouvre? <laughs> I mean, I love Mad Villainy. Um, yeah. Uh, that's the one that I like probably have the most experience with. Um, but, uh, but I love, yeah, I love just like, you know, putting just, he has so much like random, like King Ghidra. We haven't even talked about like so many random fucking like personas and, and tracks where you're like, you listen to so much stuff and you're like, I don't even remember like what album or what, like persona that is Dude, <laughs> but i know was it's like doom a fucking haze it was just like a yeah it was like you were in a thing. trance it was it, it like I, I really felt like i was in a trance of yeah in a cloud of smoke and you're just like oh yep that, there's his voice and yeah. honestly yeah. like albums bleed from one into the other where it's like i'm confused where one thing begins and another ends and it's just yeah, yeah king gator was a great one has one of the best opening lines of any hip-hop album follow the light the light is your guide. I am controller of planet tanks. And I've invited you here to discuss something that's very important. King Ghidorah, take me to your leader. Put the claim that he not no snake like me neither. They need to take a breather. King Ghidorah, take me to your leader. Uh, mm. very, very simple, but kind of sets the tone for whatever the hell you're about to get into. Uh, mm-hmm. Did you guys fuck with Mad Villainy 2? I feel like a lot of people sleep on that one. So wait, is that the remix one? Yeah. That, um, okay, Mad, got Mad it. Lib- Mad Because the, like, the actual like proper follow-up never actually came to fruition, right? No, a couple tracks like Paper Mill and uh, Avalanche, I yeah. think is the name of the track, uh, did. Well, Paper Mill was just a single for Adult Swim, right? Was that supposed to be on the second Paper record? Paper Mill was supposed to be on the second record, I believe. Oh, I didn't realize yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that is, I mean, we've talked, we, we were talking about that on a, on a uh, thread earlier today. That's one of my favorite uh, yeah, tracks. Yeah, Paper Mill is a great slept on little gem uh probably probably has one of my favorite random uh doom lines uh in history so he's so he's like yeah i feel you hey hey what's better than the healer yet worse than tequila a money getting that's thirsty than a squilla i guess he had to be there it was free beer you know it's like set up as a as like a joke you know it's like the classic joke structure like hey what's it's like a riddle you know and then he like delivers the line which I don't know if like I just don't. I mean I don't. It's definitely like over my head. I don't know if it if it's like supposed to make sense or if it's just like too like kind of abstract. But it's almost like Doom like recognizes that it's a very weird kind of uh, <laughs> like incomprehensible like line. So he follows it up by saying, "I guess you had to be there. There was free beer." <laughs> which it. like even even if he said i guess you had to be there yeah. it would be funny because he's like oh he's like 
yeah like making like, fun of his own joke I'm that like totally that landed that, that like land, yeah. lands with a thud that like there's no reaction to so he's like i guess he had to be there but then he follows that up with like just like following the logical progression of like yeah you had to be there because there was free beer i don't know it's impossible to explain yeah. why it's so funny and 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 just like delightful to me but it's his delivery really it's, it's very yeah funny it's the pause like the then, beat yeah. that he that he like lets it like breathe um yeah, it's just like perfect, and it's the kind of thing where you're like, who would think of that? Like, why would that? That's the, doesn't even make sense. As like, it's so just unexpected and, and silly, um, and yeah, not the kind of thing a normal rapper would say. <laughs> I was looking for a, a verse that really like struck me. I made it all of two songs before I stumbled upon one just on shuffle. Uh, I will attempt to do it justice. This is from Figaro from uh, Mad Villainy. And just just the structure of this is very interesting, I think, which we can break down in a second. But not enough tracks, hot enough black, it's too hot to handle. You got blue sandals, who shot you, who got you, new spots to vandal. Do not stand still, boast your skills close, but no krills, post for polos, post no bills, coast to coast, Joe Smoke flows, ill go chill, not supposed to overdose, no dose pills. So he opens with oh a, a limerick, basically. Uh, too hot to handle, you got blue sandals. Who shot you? Ooh, got you. New spots to vandal. That's this perfect limerick structure. Then mm-hmm. he does that thing you talked about, Ben, where he pivots on the do not stand still. And everything after that follows this rhyming scheme of rhyming with the O sounds, like boast, coast, and skills. So... Once he starts with Bosu skills, out of the 33 syllables that follow, 27 of them rhyme with that double rhyming scheme. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Yeah. yeah, almost every single syllable in that rhymes in, in some way. And it's... He just had bonkers stretches like that. And... Like, that wouldn't even, like, stand out to me. It, like, it took me a long time before that stood out to me on a sheerly technical level because he makes it sound pretty effortless and and just conversational yeah yeah that's a crazy yeah, he's one though. Utter, utterly yeah just like a mind like a none other he had a lot of collabs he he worked well with a lot of people uh there was kind of like the overarching uh marvel universe with uh, Tony Stark's, of course, uh, Ghostface's alter ego showing up. Mm-hmm. Um, there was Zarface. I forget. Yeah, B, can who... we talk about some of the monikers, like the nicknames that Doom had? And, like, do you understand sure. the, like, the alter egos? Like, was he just changing up his identity from time to time? So he went by MF Doom. I mean, Metal Face, MF being Metal Face, Metal Fingers, Victor Vaughn. Right. So Metal metal Fingers, I mean, it's hard to tell which one you're talking about because right. it could be Metal Face, Metal Fingers, presumably Motherfucker. Uh, you know, a lot of things that sure. MF could stand for. Uh, metal Fingers seem to be his uh, production side, like those... Uh, that 10 release series I was talking about, Special Herbs, I believe is mm. credited to Metal Fingers Doom. Uh, Zevlov X was his first alias yeah. uh, under KMD. Uh, I don't know what the story behind that is, other than it sounds kind of like a traditional late 80s, uh, you know, militant-esque 
you know, embrace embrace your African roots and whatnot. Well, he uh, was an actual member of of uh, like Five Percent Nation. In, okay, in I Brooklyn. should have I should have known that. All right, that growing makes more up, sense. yeah. Okay, um, egg on my face. Um, <laughs> You're an idiot. <laughs> yeah, big idiot. You blew it. <laughs> uh, so let's see. Yeah, once we've got Operation Doomsday in '99, that is the uh, the debut of Doom. And for those who don't know, his uh, full name is Daniel. Malay, which is where the doom comes from. Uh, so he has this whole kind of backstory and alternate persona. From there, I think Victor Vaughn was probably next, which, as we talked about, was kind of a more grounded look at, uh, you know, the man behind the mask, uh, you know, the man who became the supervillain, basically. Uh, King Gear, I don't really know what the backstory is, other than he loves uh, like Godzilla movies, mm. and uh, King Gear is the, I believe, three-headed space monster from Godzilla that Godzilla hates. I guess. I never understood why the monsters are all in fights in Godzilla. <laughs> they seem like they should just team up and rule <laughs> It's a really good point. Wait, B, so was Victor Vaughn <clears throat> essentially like the Bruce Wayne to his Batman, or, you know... Like, sort of, yeah. I, th- I, that's how I view him a little bit. Okay. But he's still like not a good guy. Like he's still right, right, a right. pretty shitty dude. But it is. But he uh, kind of like Victor Vaughn kind of like hypes the myth about like there's this guy MF Doom. Like he's another worldly kind of thing, right? Yeah, yeah. Like Victor Vaughn, there's a, a track called "Let Me Watch," which is basically he like wines and dines this girl, <laughs> and she doesn't fuck him and he's just like well let me just watch you masturbate <laughs> so he's not like a good dude right. but uh you know I, I guess he's just trying to do something a little more relatable than like a megalomaniac trying to take over the world <laughs> uh, just uh, for the record I was fact checking myself and uh, it turns out that according to hiphopwired.com uh, MF Doom was often confused for being a member of the 5% Nation, but in fact was a member of a, a sort of a Nation of Islam offshoot group called Ansar Allah Community. Uh, okay. I don't, I don't know if, uh, if anyone's familiar with that, but... Um, he definitely he was, will yeah, he was, drop in some verses here and there that seem to suggest his his background there um, yeah yeah he's, he's he not, references to like he's not, not shy pork. of uh you know using other languages here and there and um, right right yeah he like sometimes like drops in like arabic and and yeah. uh yes. i know there's a couple lines about like and M- other mcs like, eating too much pork and stuff like that mm. uh, oh, i forgot about that yeah yeah and then there's um, this other guy mf Grimm. uh yeah right they like collaborated i don't really know what the backstory is there? Yeah, but. he was he was on his on on Operation Doomsday, I think. Um, yeah, and I so read they that must, there was like kind of a falling out between them. Yeah, they they must have known each other for a long time. You would you would figure, uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, he he's a New Yorker. I like that. Um, you know, if everybody uh, wants the hometown hero and whatnot, so it was, it was cool that. Even though I think he's from, he's born in London. He's technically yeah. a British, or was a British citizen. Uh, he he was really a New Yorker at heart. Right, right. Grew up on like Long Island, right? Yep. Yeah. 
in a, a it was not allowed back in the country for a long time I yeah think. in 2010 uh thanks to uh our uh, our favorite president barack obama's uh immigration uh customs agency Th- uh thanks obama <laughs> yeah thanks obama we're like a bungler um <clears throat> yeah um, we're, we're starting this again <laughs> <laughs> Listen, you can't you can't forgive that man for his crimes, okay? Here we go again. <laughs> yeah, listen, I don't want to get on a whole rant here, but uh, but yeah, Doom did try to re-enter the country following a European tour in 2010 and was denied admittance um, per- personally uh, by Barack yeah. Obama. Yes, Barack Obama uh, stepped in to uh, to shut it, shut him out. Totally dunked on him. Yeah, yeah. It does appear that Doom passed away on October 31st, Halloween. Halloween. Yes. Kind yes, of, dude, I did read as that. soon as I read that, kind of I was like, is that for a guy in a mask, right? Yeah. Yeah. He I mean, I do find it very unusual that we're finding out this much later, also with no news about what happened. I, of course, or... mm-hmm. want to respect the wishes of the family and give them privacy. It just is strange. I, I will mm-hmm. say that. I don't. I don't uh, really know too much about his personal life, but I have heard that maybe like he didn't live like the healthiest life. Um, and he was a he was yeah. a he, he was a heavier guy. So I don't know. I suppose he, it's he definitely gained a lot of weight yeah. from like the late nineties until recently. But, but there's uh, no reason to think like it's why, not my place like why now like you know he. he He's been overweight for a while, so it's it is strange. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, I I do think we will probably get more material, yeah. like unreleased stuff. I feel like he sat on just a lot of tracks for a long time. Um, don't get me wrong, I'm I'm thrilled with uh, what is out there now. Uh, it was he was very prolific. He he really had a great body of work. Um, but that said, yeah, became pretty reclusive the the past ten years, and I know Madlib would talk all the time about like, well, I've sent him like ten albums worth of material. I'm just waiting on him. So uh, I guess who knows? Who knows what these these cats are sitting on? Um, yeah, he he did in the the later days. Like he he took up like a protege. This kid. Uh, Bishop Nehru is pretty solid. Uh, oh, really? No- yeah, nothing that like is gonna blow you away. But he did like a a, co- a collab album with this younger kid. He's I don't know. Pro- he was probably like twenty at the time. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, it was, it was cool to see him kind of be like the the Bob Odenkirk of comedy, kind of like <laughs> passing the torch down and and finding uh, cool young people to work with. Uh, I, I know people have pretty divisive uh, opinions on Odd Future. I myself have really liked a lot of their uh, output, at least Tyler the Creator and Earl Sweatshirt, and they're huge, huge Doom fans. And and I think that really comes yeah, through like- in their style, both uh, uh, instrumental production as as well as their flows. Yeah, Earl Sweatshirt is like often sort of thrown out there as like a. Uh sort of a, a descendant of, mm-hmm. uh, of, of doom and like his, his style, like the whole, yeah. you know, kind of like backpack rap quote unquote thing, which is kind of a, an annoying moniker, but so, socially conscious granola rap. 
exactly. I call it arugula wrap. Yeah. <laughs> arugula wrap. <laughs> if if people do want uh, somebody newer that uh, kind of has that old school doom energy, I would recommend your old Droog. Uh He is very good. I think he's like a Ukrainian dude, maybe out of New York, but he's got like a good half doom half nas uh like illmatic kind of vibe he's he's a really good rapper yeah nice uh mf doom was you know one of a kind just like unparalleled wit and uh intellect and had an incredible rhyme scheme and you know gave us a lot of amazing memories and uh was a big inspiration for us so this is fun b thanks for coming on b uh what are you looking to plug? What are you working on? Where can people find you on the uh, internets these days? Sure. Uh, well, Ben and I have been working on this project, Smash TV, for about 10 years now. Uh, you can find us on YouTube. I believe it is Smash TV Music on YouTube. And uh, if you haven't checked out our stuff uh, through Ben before, uh, it's pretty fucking cool. So go check that yes. out. And uh, I've been... DJing for close to 20 years now. Uh, I am still on Mixcloud. Uh, you can find me under Sparkle Motion because I liked Johnny Jarko in 2003 <laughs> and did not think I would be doing this 17 years later. Uh, so yeah, Sparkle Motion yeah, on Mixcloud. You should, uh, you should particularly shout out your uh, one of, one of the like sort of like biggest uh, like Doom. Um, like binges I went on in the in the past few years was your uh, all Mad Lib mix, uh, B. Yeah. What yeah. was it, what was the name of that one again? Uh, King of the Wig Flip. Uh, yes. Which is just a fun title that I heard applied to Mad Lib somewhere. It's all Mad Lib beats. It's fifty uh, Mad Lib tracks in eighty minutes. I <laughs> oh do believe God. that one got taken down, but I will put. Oh them no, down. really? I, uh, just because uh, in the U.S. at least you can't listen to it because has too many tracks by one artist uh but i will put the uh, download link in there i guess i don't know i'll figure it out with you guys later but yeah smash uh tv music on youtube are my, my this is a lot of fun man um we will yes. absolutely oh, yeah. have you back uh sorry, We'd love to sorry it took We'd so long to. but uh here we are we will, I'm sure, be. We finally broke the seal. Broke the seal. This is the first of many. Yeah, we are. We are going to be. Uh, we have a long uh, running this back long, time and time I, again. Long list I know of, Richard of, of, of movies. Boku too. Lewis. But uh. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know, Richard would be happy that you were with us. We have a lot of movies to. Uh, oh, I hope so. To watch and talk yeah. about and discuss on the podcast. So uh, yeah, we, we uh, look forward to having you back on again, man. And uh, this is fun. Thanks for talking. Cool. Yeah, man. Thanks Hell for yeah. uh, having me, guys. This was a pleasure. All right. Stay safe, buddy. We'll talk to you Thanks soon. so much, B. All right. All right. Thanks. I'm only rhyming with a drum set. Y'all niggas think y'all slick with that bullshit. Bump that. Y'all pay B for flowing to the beat. Not for what he know that got hoes hoeing in the streets. Got for him to know and for they to never find out about the kidnapped blindfold and the blind mouth. For calling a report, say he simply signed out. Oh, and I know y'all want to see a wino bring the wine out. Cat with a dead mouse is how we catch a phrase and pause plays with it. Kill it and eat off it for days, kid it. 
Whoever ain't get it ain't supposed to. For standing still close to, bandits will ghost you. No suits or lock. I don't know how they do on your block. Out here we rock on to the short shot. Shit still ain't stop. Keep it on till your peeps is gone. VB on the creep, no matter what you peep it on. CD the box. Switch FM, Chris Wendell, and Ben Crab. Ben, uh, the NBA season is underway here, man, but there are obviously more important things to uh, discuss and remember today. Um, late last week, it was announced that, I guess back in October of 2020, we lost uh, an icon, musician, MF Doom. Um, I know someone we, we both loved and listened to and were very influenced by, and... Uh, so we're our guests. So Ben, we're joined today by our friends across the pond, over in the UK, fellow basketball podcasters, basketball historians. It's D and Gav of the uh, Pick and Roll podcast. D Gav, welcome to the show, guys. How you doing? Hey, good man. Hi. How are you guys? Doing great. Doing great. I am. Uh, even though it's you know uh, for a, a somewhat well, I would say very somber, sad occasion. It's. Uh, a triumphant uh, uh, rematch here, <laughs> finally uh, returning the favor after some of our listeners may remember uh, we mentioned that we'd been on your guys' podcast back in, when was that, like June, May? I don't even yeah, remember. Uh, I know it was before the bubble restarted. Yeah, it, was. Yeah. Um, it was like in the, in the middle of, of like the NBA's... Uh, uh, Hiatus, not cancellation, well, but hiatus. Yeah, yeah well, because it was for. during our rewatch of the Knicks, ni- the '94 Knicks playoff run that we found that's on right. YouTube, yep, yep. <laughs> vis-a-vis the uh, the uh, YouTube channel that you guys put up. Yeah, yeah. I think you got in there. You Thanks got in to there the 1994 Knicks shut down. <clears throat> temporary shutdown. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, that's right. That's right. It was thanks to thanks to our, uh, our our ripping of YouTube videos that we were able to complete that uh completely insane um project during our uh, our quarantine but uh yeah it's great to have you guys officially uh on our show so thank you so much Glad for coming here, man. yeah let's talk a little bit about doom um i guess i was curious like how, how did you guys encounter doom and his music d am i am i correct did you spend some time djing around london is that right um well i used we used to run a i used to run a well i used to dj in my in my hometown um we kind of used to do kind of a, a weekly, bi-weekly night um, at a club and stuff. Um, um, played a bit around the country and stuff. But, um, yeah, I was just a, a big hip-hop collector and a, and a kind of part-time DJ uh, in my sort of teenage years, early 20s and stuff. Um, so I'd, I'd say I first encountered Doom, it was um, on a third bass record, The Gas Face, um, which was obviously where he made his debut. Um, I can remember hearing that on sort of a national radio show and just wondering what the fuck it was because um, he had quite a unique voice um, I mean if, I, at first I thought it was a De La Soul record because they were obviously quite big at the time and um, obviously there's a connection there um, if you know a guy called Dante Ross who kind of um, signed a lot of those groups like De La Soul uh, and then later on KMD Brand Newbie and a lot of groups like that to Electro Records so it was it's kind of a weird left left sort of field sound that kind of appealed to my teenage self in the north of England back in the days because it was kind of so different than the kind of rap music that had come before. You know, your Big Daddy Canes, your Rakims and your Public Enemy, which seemed like it was from another planet, I guess. 
when you heard someone like uh, you know KMD, who Doom was a member of, it they were similar age to us, and um, you could relate a bit to it, a, a bit more to it because they were kind of a similar age, and they rapped about school and girls and smoking weed and stuff. So I think that was my kind of initial attraction to him, and and why you know it was plus the music was dope, and they were dope MCs, but it was kind of you felt a real connection there to kind of doom. And that, I think that's what drew me, drew me to sort of KMD initially. And, and then obviously him later on, you know, as a solo artist, I don't know about Gav. Uh, Dylan has always, has been m- modest. Um, uh, when he says record collector, um, uh, if you look at the YouTube channel, yeah, I was gonna say, is that, is that like you're <laughs> yeah. a, uh, like you're an NBA games collector? <laughs> yes. Yes. So, so, you know, you know, you can't look at that YouTube channel and not see signs of some sort of, Spectrum <laughs> type, type <laughs> diagnosis. Well, the the other area. Well, there's two other areas, and one is hip hop, and the other is Sheffield Wednesday, uh, which no one will ever really need to know on. But um, as a kid, he was just into hip hop. That's how we met, sort of thing. Dylan had at the time the biggest record collection I've ever seen of doubles on things, and you could find any tune anywhere. To make any mix and things it was he's yes being very very modest when he says he was madly into it uh but it's along the same lines and i think um over here uh it's often a bit more of the the left wingy what was the time like the backpack hip-hop yeah. crew oh, yeah, yeah. That backpack rap sort of out yeah. of that, that mid-90s sort of, yeah that sort of appealed or, or maybe yeah. took a hold a bit more here because I, I'm songs about people shooting people and selling drugs doesn't really it's hard to relate to and as Dylan said when the when people come with material I'm a white kid I buy drugs I don't sell them like that's that's, <laughs> that's not my that's not yeah. my job in this food chain that's not my place in this ecosystem <laughs> yeah like the more like you know the Del the Funky you know Del yes. the Funky Homo Sabian hieroglyphics kind of that was kind of the rap that really spoke more to us because, you know, you were a big skater. Yeah. And uh, it was kind of, I don't know, it was kind of, it just seemed more relevant to kind yeah. of middle-aged white teenagers <laughs> from the north of yeah. England than kind of your standard sort of New York rap that had come before it, which, although we loved, you couldn't really, really relate to Rakim, you know. We weren't five percenters, uh, you know, and we didn't wear <laughs> ma- excessive amounts of gold jewellery. Yeah. So it was kind of... That was like a different thing. And when KMD and Doom and stuff came along, it just it felt more personal, I guess. I don't know. Oh, more personal, but just, yeah. I was wondering, uh, because he is actually British, I know he like went over to the States at like a pretty young age, but was there like any sense of like, oh, wow, this guy's like actually... One of like, ours. No, Yeah, really. or, or was that not really like considered? Because obviously he didn't rap much about No, that. not didn't really come out until a lot later in his career yeah. when he was MF Doom and I don't think mm. he's kind of got any British you know sort of ties or heritage or anything it's not like Slick, like Slick pride, Rick who, right? yeah Slick Rick who came before had a he kind yeah. of put a fake British accent on to an extent and stuff yeah so. he, he leaned into it yeah, so. yeah, Whereas, yeah, yeah. That's uh, right. I don't, I don't yeah. think Doom's family had any particular sort of family ties to England and stuff so no there was right. not, not really any of that yeah, UK hip hop is yeah, distinctive in well. its in its yeah. own sort of way and it, yeah. it never you, you wouldn't really say it ever really overlapped with that but that's yeah. part of what was it it was otherworldly yeah, yeah. it's part mm-hmm. of the appeal it's funny yeah, Gavin, like I, I had like a similar sort of experience with uh, Doom's music where I didn't, I felt like, 
you know, I didn't really understand hip hop could sound like that. Um, to me, I always felt like doom to me, you know, my background as a theater actor felt so like Shakespearean, like his music felt so epic in scale and the way that he could twist rhymes. Um, I just didn't understand that like, like hip hop could sound like that. And, uh, it sounded, it was this like weird, like it, 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 it sounded like acid jazz or something. And yeah, like some sort of like cross genre thing where I was like listening to, you know, like epic poetry uh, over these like beats that were just so insane. And, and, and the thematic, like the themes of, of his, of his music were just like mind bending to me. So, um, yeah, it was, I remember when I heard his music, I was like, I just didn't know that this could exist really. So, So how about this then? How about this? If the, um, for me, I think hip hop and rhyming falls into genres and styles and it is, an art form but doom is one of the people who elevated it to art in that sense that there's now four middle-aged white guys on a podcast talking about it if you know what i mean that, that that's that, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's crossed some boundaries that's that's gone somewhere which just hip-hop being the best at hip-hop like rakim may be it, the best one of those rhymers ever that's never gonna cross those same boundaries and that yeah. is... Well, I think he was a great storyteller as well, which obviously, you know, comes yeah. out when you listen to his records and there's very few rappers who can really pull that off. You know, Slick Rick, who we mentioned, was, again, a really good storyteller, but you could kind of almost put his music on, close your eyes, and you put yourself in the situation of the story he was telling, you know, because it's very humorous and lots of sort of comedy situations that people can relate to because they've been in the same situations, like, you know telling his girlfriend to go out and get him some food and stuff like that and just just real day-to-day stuff which you can really relate to and I think that's where his genius really was it wasn't overly complicated but very few people could pull it off if you know what I mean it's um he was was a very unique rapper in that way I think we should also talk about just like the fact that he wore a mask (laughs) that like like the performative element of of MF Doom so uh like you were, you were mentioning, uh, Dylan. Uh, so, so he was in a, a group with his brother KMD. His brother was killed tragically in a uh, car accident, and I think it like really profoundly kind of affected him and changed him. This is, I think, in 1993, and then he kind of went into seclusion a bit, and then he like emerged from it five or six years later as this new alter ego, MF Doom, Metal Face Doom, and he wore a mask on stage kind of as a, an homage to the Marvel villain, Dr. Doom. And he released his first solo album, right? Was it operation doomsday? That's yeah. right. Yeah. I think you can kind of, there's kind of two things you can tie in with that really. I mean, they obviously, they, they'd had some success with the first album and stuff. And, um, I don't, if you know the backstory with the second album, which was due to come out on Electra, which obviously Warner brothers funded, um, there was a bit of a shitstorm about the artwork on the second album because it sort of depicted um, the sort of Sambo figure being lynched from a tree, um, which I've probably got it here. Oh, shit, look at that. Oh, my God. Wow. Oh, dude. Wow. For our listeners that can't see, uh, D has a framed poster-sized, uh, uh, you know, f- uh, yeah, the, the cover artwork of, of KMD's infamously 
you know, unreleased, but then later released second album, Black Bastards. So, yeah, so, I mean, um, this is 93, 94, and there was a lot of yeah. controversy with Ice-T and Cop Killer and stuff like this. Uh, right. So there's a lot of pressure yeah. on. Yeah, NWA. Yeah, like. yeah so um, basically the album got shelved before it even saw the light of day. And um, as you mentioned, his brother got which, killed um, shortly yeah, before Which, the by the way, Electra decided... Electra decided to cancel that album. Like it was basically done. It was complete. Yeah, yeah. And it was just because of the of this cover artwork, which, by the way, is you know, it's it's certainly like uh, provocative. I would say, but it's not. It, the 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 point of it was to show you know like the the death of a stereotype, or you know, it was it was certainly coming from a not a racist place, if any yeah. you know anything, but. Um, and, but because there was like the, this like culture of like just fear and censorship um, in the you know at least in the U.S., so Electra decides to pull the plug on it um, like one week or so like like very very soon after the death of his brother yeah uh, sure of, uh, of yeah. Um, Dumas' crazy. brother so it was like forward. like yeah talk about like an origin story which like I feel like is so it's such a it's such an incredible like. And and uh, and like kind of like like honest and and like legit way to to be like yeah I was like completely like chewed up and spit out by this like awful like shitty industry and I just like went into complete seclusion for six years it wasn't heard from like for all anyone knew he was like done with the entire industry um, with the entire like art form and then he like reemerges under this face mask with this new name. And like, I feel like as a as like a, a sort of a origin or a or a starting point, it's like so, it's just so like cool and so like like real. Instead of being like, I don't know, a lot of rappers obviously, uh, you know, sort of, um, you know, blow like kind of pump up their their own you know backgrounds, their their childhoods, and there's a lot of. Um, uh, you know, uh, gilding the lily, I guess, when it comes to like, oh yeah, I was a real like, you know, badass in the street before I became a rapper, yada yada. But for him, it's like a real story of being like completely fucked over by life and by the industry. Um, and I love that he used that tragedy to be like, I'm now a villain. Like, uh, my good friend <clears throat> Brennan Shield, excuse me, the one of the guys that kind of introduced me to Doom, uh, told me the line. <clears throat> excuse me, um, told me the line recently we were talking about Doom and he said, villains ain't born villains, um, which I feel like is just such a like perfect kind of summation of like how Doom was created. Um, and I don't know, I just, I always found that to be like such an amazing part of his story, you know? Yeah, dude. And like I was saying about his music, there was something so epic in the nature of his music and like seeing him sort of like transcend like, like just being a real life person and actually becoming like a larger than life, like, like anti-hero superhero guy. (laughs) Like it made so much sense, right? Like that, like the music kind of like the content fit the form suddenly. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I remember as all, but I remember being blown away by, uh, is it rhymes like dimes? Hey, yo, yo, y'all can't stand right here. In his right hand was your man's worst nightmare. Loud enough to burst his right ear on close range. The game is not only dangerous, but it's most strange. I sell rhymes like dimes. The one who mostly keep cash, but brag about the broken times. Joker rhymes like the issue just having to see me trick. Classical slapstick rappers need yeah, chapstick. Yeah, when you hear, when you oh, hear yeah. the, the, the Quincy Jones 
100 way sample yeah. that comes from how amazing that is to mm-hmm. take to take half a bar and play it forwards and backwards and speed it up and do what it does to make a whole of a thing out of it yeah i mean the way he he got really creative with sampling on the doomsday album like not many people were sampling sort of 80s r&b records like Sade or sos band or jody watley and i'm putting yeah them over like like corny 80s r&b that yeah, like we, no one they, would would otherwise yeah think they were cool. kind of old songs we grew up on so we knew them so there was obviously he was very clever at what he did and gavs mentions rhyme like rhymes like dimes i mean people people probably don't remember but doomsday didn't it wasn't a hit when it came no. out as an album it was very it was on Bobito's Fondum label, which was an independent label, so it wasn't massively distributed. It was quite a hard record to find, and it became like a sort of de facto anthem yeah. in Sheffield, yeah. that, that that song. People people would come up and say, what is that song? It's somewhere play? I left for university. Yeah, because London, it, it's, it's not like a, your typical club song. It hasn't got a bass line or anything to it. It's just it's this weird abstract record. And people used to ask us for it every week, like, what's that song? And visiting DJs would come from London, go, what's that record you play? You know, and uh, it became mm. like this weird, like, sort of minor hit. And I, I don't think it was until it got re-released at home, it kind of, people really grasped how good it was yeah. and stuff. And um, it was just, just a mind-blowing record when it came out. I mean, we, I used to literally sit and listen to it, like, yeah. you know, two or three times a week, because it was so... It was so different from anything that was out at the time. Uh, well, that's you know, the thing, right? Like, he was not trying to sound like anything that you had heard before, right? Like, his, like, he was literally... It, it, so much of his stuff was, like, Ben, you were saying, like, sampling, um, like, previous records. But, like, it was a sound experimentation, right? Like, where it was just, like, I bet you've never heard something sound like this <laughs> and yeah it was just, so out of left field it was yeah it was like alien music like at times i felt like where when i heard it i was like how is this really a song this is fucking catchy and weird as fuck yeah, yeah well I mean, I, I mean back to ben's point with the mask i that is genius i mean it was hip-hop was moving that way at the time i mean maybe slick rick is the originator of the character but with with the Wu Tang, uh, they were heavily leaning into fictitious personas, uh, and then and then there like Doctor Octagon we talked about earlier, like Cool Keith, yeah, Doctor cool Octagon concepts. You could see that probably influenced him, you know, a little. But but he took it one further mm. with the mask, and I'm sure you'll be able to yeah. attest to this, Chris, being an actor, that when you mask up, you're allowed to be truthful in a way that the real you is never going to be. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. It's this like invincibility cloak, right? Where all of a sudden you have the freedom to take a certain scale and size that maybe you wouldn't normally in real life. You sort of transcend real lifeness and become this like otherworldly character. And, um, God damn, he was just, Epic, man. And, I mean, we got to say it because we're all fans. I mean, the Knicks, like, he was a huge Knicks fan, right? Like, you always saw Constantly him. Rocking, it, rocking that Ewing jersey <laughs> all day, every the, day. The Patrick Ewing jersey with the mask. Yeah. I mean. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the other genius thing about the mask is. The other, the other genius thing about the mask is, is that when it's a quite a well-playing festival in, I don't know, Estonia, you can send your cousin and no one's going to know. Yeah, there was, there was a lot of that <laughs> yeah. over here. Apparently. Or... or, or there's a lot of people who believe Burris, they've seen you know. MF Doom live. Yeah, yeah. right. I, lo- I love that. Just getting back to the uh, the Wu Tang thing, I just wanted to note for the record that uh, if I'm not mistaken, Doom uh, was sampling kung- old kung fu movies on you know on, on KMD's uh, solo uh, uh, debut album before Thirty Six Chambers came out. So uh, if anyone thinks that uh, that Doom was uh, was biting Wu Tang style, the opposite is true. 
Yeah, so they there was sampled some crazy stuff. I mean, if the, the second album, the one that got shelved, Black Bastards, obviously he got heavily bootlegged and then finally got repressed and come out. But um, I'd advise everyone to go and sort of buy. It's a, it's a spoken word album from like the early seventies called The Blue Gorilla. Uh, it's by Kane, I think. Um, basically, they just absolutely rinsed that to death on the second album. And if you if you if you can get all the <laughs> copy of that and just listen to it, it's just it sounds like a KMD record. It's absolutely incredible. So. That's amazing. There was a 2009 uh, piece in The New Yorker where they uh, they were interviewing Doom. I guess they're doing a profile and they asked him about the the mask. And he said it sort of came out of necessity, you know, like coming out of this like re- reclusive period in his life. And he said, uh, I wanted to go on stage and orate without people thinking about the normal things people normally think about, like girls being like, oh, he's sexy or I don't want him. He's ugly. And then other dudes trying to size you up. A visual always brings a first impression, but if there's going to be a first impression, I might as well use it to control the story. So why not do something like throw a mask on? It's strange as well because they, yeah. if you look at the sort of early KMD videos and stuff, they were just young sort of teenage Muslim kids. You know, they were heavily influenced by Dr. York and his teachings and stuff like that. And then they were probably quite reluctant sort of stars, uh, I'd imagine, and if you can think about what happened to him after that, he's losing his brother and then losing his record deal and stuff. I guess it's mentally, it'll probably just take its toll on you and stuff. I guess you maybe just didn't want his face plastered all over sort of MTV or what anymore and stuff. And I can imagine the sort of mental side came in quite heavily and just that experience of the, well, that's the best being of both shit ways. out by the record industry. If you, you can, I mean? if you can get the trappings of fame and success, but, yeah. but, but keep your anonymity, yeah. that's that's um, that's the best. That's so, the dream, yeah. isn't it's, it? It's a genius idea, really. And um, yeah, yeah. yeah. pulled it off. And it's also so rare in you know the world of hip hop for a guy to be like, no, 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 no. I don't want to be famous at all. I don't want to be known on the street. I don't want to be. Uh, you know, like uh, have my face on the cover of magazines, unlike you know so many aspiring rappers. Um, uh, and to that point, I found an amazing quote. Um, so that I was reading about. Um, uh, I'm sure you guys are aware. In 2010, after uh, a, uh, a European tour, he couldn't get back into the United States since he was never, even though he he moved there and, and lived there since his childhood, he was never um, a naturalized citizen, and. For some reason, I guess, when he tried to return into uh, America uh, following this tour, um, he was met with, like, an immigration officer who was like, no, you don't have um, a passport or citizenship. You can't you can't come in, <laughs> um, which is fucking insane. And to that, until the day he died, he never returned to America, um, <laughs> which is, yeah, just mind-blowing. Um, no, but I was reading up back. about that, I and I found... He, no, I think he did make it back oh, to record some oh, did he? And stuff. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, uh, a guy okay. from our hometown um, ran a record label called Lex Records, which put one of his albums out. Um, he's a guy from Sheffield, and um, I heard sort of stories through mutual friends that when he was living in London, he wasn't living the healthiest lifestyle, uh, apparently. Stuff just sort of literally mm. sat in a house eating fast food, um, you know, for months on end and right. stuff. And you can kind of sadly yeah. see where maybe some of the health problems came from and stuff. I don't think he took the best yeah. care of himself from, from, you know, from what I can gather. But I think he, he did make it back to the States and recorded with sort of Mad Lib and did albums and stuff. So um, I think it was uh, okay, uh, definitely a couple of years where he, he couldn't sort of leave the country, though. Um, and his family had to come and visit, which um, obviously not ideal. Yeah. 
But yeah, this one this one quote I found. So it's from Q Magazine, and he's talking about uh, you know the day he tried to return, couldn't get back in. It says here I'm reading on return he met with an official who quote just wanted to see how many people she can make have a bad day that day. Doom didn't tell her his profession, making him the only rapper ever not to give it the big I am. Quote, imagine me saying that, he says with a laugh, I'm no big rap star, I'm a regular guy. Which is like, even when he was trying to get back into the country to see his wife and five children, he didn't say like, oh, I'm a big rap star, like you need to let me in. He was just like... My name's David, like, I, I don't have a passport, I guess, and, yeah. Well, he was very self-deprecating uh, just, as a rapper as well, though, wasn't he? So you can, you can kind of see that. Oh, yeah. Um, can we talk about just, like, how, like, silly he is? Yes. Like, he was, like, a legitimately hilarious, Funny. like, apart from all of his musical talents, like, he would just make me crack up laughing um, with, like, some of his just ridiculousness. Um, yeah, he's basically like a stand-up yeah, comedian, he just, you know, just rapping about food and cartoons and... The old school sneakers right. or whatever. And he just, seems like a guy you would just want to hang out with. Like you would, yeah, would co- want to like conversations, and, like, watch cartoons with him. The conversations me and Gav have yeah. when we're together, you, you kind of you felt like you were having that with him on a record. Do you well, know what I mean? Yeah, that, that's, that's why he was so relatable. Yeah, that's yeah. what he was like. He was very, um, he was like meta in, in in his samples and his what he talked about. He was, it was like like Dan Harmon and Community or something in terms of like. It, it, he picked a series of like touchstones and sample points and things to discuss on, which just were the buttons to push for a certain set of people. And he happened yeah. across that, which is uh, all any real great artist can hope for, if you know what I mean, is that that formula which creates a connection. And he definitely did that. I'm being, right. I'm being able to rhyme really well. You know, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, like when you think of a guy who like you know assumes an alter ego and puts a mask on and has all these like aliases, it, it could be like extremely pretentious and annoying if like done like That's a, a certain fine way. Line to walk, but instead, yeah. yeah, it's such a fine line. But he like pulled it up because he never took himself seriously. It seems like even though he was obviously like working through some very serious stuff in a lot of his songs. But yeah, I mean, I was re-listening to uh, Matt Villainy, um, which is got to be like probably my favorite record it's one of the few hip-hop records i actually own on vinyl um but uh the the song bistro the, the uh, yeah, i don't know if you guys are like familiar with that been it, welcome to the resort and all that yeah <laughs> yeah the, the grand op- the grand opening of mad villain bistro bed and breakfast bar and grill cafe lounge on the water <laughs> like every time <laughs> i hear that make a record like, like that you know what i mean it's just like it's, basically, it's, like, a, it's like a commercial isn't it it's mental <laughs> It's so ridiculous. Just that name alone, like, kills me every time. Yeah. And that was um, a great marriage as well, because yeah. Madlib's just so fucking left field with beats and, you know, oh, yeah, and just really short, just hit you with, you know, let's not make a six-minute song when you can make a two-minute song. Let's just get it over and done with, you know? Yeah. So that was a re- like you yeah, say, yeah. that album's just a perfect marriage of sort of two sort of like... Oh, my God, it's so good. It's such a crime that they only actually collaborated on, on the one, and then... Is the second one, like, never, is it, do you think it's because he was like, they're still sort of, it was still in the works at the time of his death. Is that right? Um, the, the follow-up yeah, to Mad I Villainy? Yeah, so. I mean, they've done bits and bobs together, haven't they, on other people's albums and stuff, but not quite the... Yeah. Did you guys, so Ben, you mentioned Mad Villainy, uh, Dylan and Gavin, did you guys have a favorite album in particular of his that you loved? Um, so probably Operation Doomsday for, because, yeah, uh, 
like rhymes like dimes is a song from the summer when I went to university when I moved away. It's 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 one of those songs in my life, if you know what I mean. Yeah. But in yeah, terms of when I look at it, I'd say I think Monster Island Zars, the King Ghidorah one. I think that's that's the one where the whole concept ties together the best and is the the best executed. It's like a standalone one, but the whole. Like running samples throughout the movie, telling the story. I, I really like the way that that one's all put together and executed. Yeah, it's a tough one. It's like you know picking your favorite yeah. kid or whatever. But yeah, uh, I mean, I like Vaudeville Villain. Like lyrically, I think he was just really at the top of his game on that, and the beats kind of really match that as well. So I really like. But um, Doomsday, I'd, I'd not listened to it for ages, and then obviously the news came down about his death. Doesn't and age. I, I sat and listened to it the other day, and although it's kind of a collection of he put quite a lot of sort of singles out on Fondalum, the label before, and then they kind of patched it to make an album and re-recorded with some of them. Um, it's still a brilliant album, yeah. And, it, um, pff, yeah, and, and really the well. KMDM albums as well. So yeah, that and Mad Villainy, like you say, uh, Ben, just absolutely amazing. Could could listen to them over and over again, never get bored of them. So depends what kind of mood you're in, I yeah. guess. But yeah, yeah, I'm not got a particular yeah. favourite. It's uh, they're all very good, but the thing about Doom, I really sort of respect, and he's kind of maybe unique. Very few rappers can pull this off. Is if you think about, it, he had a thirty-year career, and he managed to appeal to sort of an audience throughout that time, and that's tough to do, especially when you put in um, the amount of records out he did. Um, you know, if you look at a lot of old school rappers, they probably they don't really put records out anymore. They'll sort of get their money off touring and stuff but he actually did his job he's like yeah, I've, I've, i heard interviews with him where he's like you know people say why do you put so much stuff out and why do you sort of never sort of refuse you know a guest appearance and he's like it's my job i'm a rapper this is what i'm mm. you know this is what i do this is what i do for a living i got provide for my family so it's tough to do that for 30 years and not really have many sort of bad eggs or own goals i think it's the sort of quality of his output um was pretty prolific. You could do anything. Excellent. Yeah, I remember and, um, that, that's a tough thing to fo- pull off. I, and I think a, if, if a anything bar about off like a herbalizer, yeah, yeah, or something it, it, that, that it'd, it'd appear out. on a random record and like, it'd just be like it'd kill it every time, you know, or uh, you know, at least be a mm-hmm. B plus performance, you know. And yeah, that, that's tough to do. Yeah, it's like every every year he was making the All Star team. It's like he was always just putting up his points, getting his rebounds. You know, it's like he was just consi- he was <laughs> a consistent producer you know for 30 years so but he was, uh, that's yeah. the difference between DeMar- an artist demar derozan of uh, of hip-hop if you know what i mean the artist <laughs> keeps working mm-hmm. keeps looking for something is trying to get something out of them where a performer will happily all right that's my time gone i'm gonna then go and keep playing the same song over if you know what i mean Huey Lewis. Yes. Huey absolutely. Lewis is a right, performer, right. if you know what I mean. And he's been performing for a long time. I can't believe you brought Huey Lewis yes. into the pod. <laughs> That's so funny. We were literally just talking about Huey Lewis yesterday. yesterday. <laughs> Chris and I were on a... Literally yesterday we were on a Zoom call with some like, old college buddies. It's the perfect example of <laughs> We were talking about Huey Lewis. And I was like, is he still making music? Good for him. I'm sure All he's right. still touring. I'm sure he's still touring. I think, I'm sure I read an interview with him somewhere. I'm like, Huey Lewis and the news is... Like a going concern. Yeah, he's still with the news. And he's like, I've got roadies yeah. who've been with me for thirty years. You've got kids Jeez. that I feel responsible <laughs> for putting through school. So, gotta respect the hustle, man. Hey. Yeah, do man. <laughs> yeah, yeah um, a tough one. Um, yeah, I think kind of because he was a similar age to us and stuff. I think it was like two. I'm like two or three years yeah. younger than. Him. It's kind of yeah. It's uh, it's a tough one, man. I really when I heard the news on New Year's Eve, I was kind of like knocked me for six a little. I was like, obviously, I'm, I'm 
not as much as the people who sort of work with him and his family and stuff. Um, but yeah, it's a yeah. tough one, man. Um, but yeah, I, I, I couldn't have ever seen him seeing sort of 65, 70. No, I, I could, it, just, just some kind of, you know, something there. Just, I never thought he was going to have the longest life. It just yeah. never seemed it was going to end yeah. well. I don't know. I always had a bad feeling, uh, sadly. Um, yeah. But, Saddened by the news, but not surprised by the news. Yeah, um, is probably the way to put it. Yeah, um, I yeah. I mean, the guy had a tragic life from his brother, and then his son and died his son too. When his son died, so yeah, you feel for his wife, uh, absolutely. But mm. um, can I just say, if anyone out there buys records on Discogs and stuff, don't go and buy his records for like five hundred bucks. Because I've seen like sellers on Discogs just literally inflate the yeah, price yeah, yeah. of his records over the last sort of four or five days. Shameless motherfuckers. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, don't go and give just these people pro- money. Pro- Wait profiteering until, off the news. Yeah, yeah. they're going to put... They're, they're going to re-release. I, I mean, I, I'd imagine there's a load of unreleased stuff that yep. we've not heard. So, yep. go and buy it through the popper channels and make sure his family get them in yeah. money. And don't, yeah, don't go and buy this shit on Discogs at stupid money because that's just horrible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Very, Absolutely. very good, very good PSA there. I can, uh, I can co-sign. All right. Well, while we're all here, um, let's talk about the NBA real quick. Um, where, where are you guys at? Have you watched any of uh, the NBA yet? Like, what, what are your uh, early thoughts about the season thus far? Yeah, we just recorded our pod, and yeah. kind of, we were just kind of, it's you know, it's messy, isn't it? The the plays kind of, <laughs> there's a, there's a lot of blowouts. Yeah. It's kind of. Yeah. yeah, it's not been great. I don't. I don't think the basketball has been great uh, by any stretch. No. Um, so yeah, it's kind of the season started, but has it really started? I don't know. That's yeah, kind my, of our vibes. My working theory it's is weird. The lack of fans has removed the jeopardy from each shot. So mm. we're just seeing people who wouldn't normal who wouldn't normally have the stones to take a free because it might clank and they'll hear the air fall out it gets sucked out and I'm just chucking them up and yeah. it feels like I'm it's watching Summer point. League or something is the best way to put it I absolutely agree I absolutely agree I feel like uh, there's like a lack of stakes basically yeah, yeah. Um, yeah you know, it's, it's like doing a play for no audience where it's like well what's the worst that happens like I'll just it doesn't really matter like no one's here no one's paying for a ticket so i'll just take this shot like hopefully it goes <laughs> in but if it doesn't like what's what, like who cares there's a pandemic yeah i saw um, i saw myers leonard take like a pull-up 35 foot three-pointer i think it was on the christmas day games and i was just shaking my head just like really is this where we're at you know with like 16 did you guys see left. the uh there's a there's a bismack biombo three uh that like went viral uh after um Wob, Worldwide Wob, uh, oh, posted yeah, the yeah. clip. And it's like the local announcer like reacting to Bismack Biombo like pulling up for a three and he's like, Oh my goodness. It was like it was literally like like a like a WWF announcer like reacting to like a steel chair over the head. It was like the the res- the response to seeing Bismack uh launch a three. Yeah, it's it's definitely a little weird. I um Very I mean Chris and I have talked about this a lot, like I we weren't like, you know, very invested in in the bubble. And I think I probably wouldn't be as invested um, in, in in the new season, except for the fact that we are, um, again, once again, playing fantasy basketball. So that's, like, the one, like, sort of thread that, like, keeps me tethered to, like, checking box scores right. and, like, maybe tuning in on my phone for, like, you know, league, you know like for a random league pass game. 
Um, but it's it does. Like, other than that, it's a good way to follow the league and just. Stay. It really is. I mean, it's it's also extremely unhealthy uh, and 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 destructively addictive. Um, and every single year, I'm like, I think this is, is going to be my last year playing. Yeah, it's got. But uh, but <laughs> I will say, it does make you. It does give you a reason at least to uh, to watch some some subpar basketball on a night to night basis. So. So what have yeah. you what have you made I of bet. the what have you made of the Knicks under uh, Tom Tibbs so far? They, they look more Chris is now. loving it. Chris is in I, heaven. I, I feel like I'll, I'll take the lead here. I'm super excited about the Knicks. I mean, the Knicks are now must. The Knicks are must-watch TV as far as I'm concerned. Like the the fact that I legit like I will always watch a Knicks game, but the fact that like I will now sit down to watch a Knicks game and they might win is such an insane concept to me. And hey, man, like. I get. I gotta give him credit. Tibbs has these guys playing really hard, especially the young guys, like guys that you just sort of like discounted as you know, like just busted prospects. Like Kevin Knox, you know, like he's he's playing his ass off. Like Tom Thibodeau <laughs> has these guys playing their asses off. Mitch, Mitchell Robinson is playing thirty minutes a night. Um, so well, what he does well. I think I, Tibbs. What he does is he gets them to play their knees off. Yeah, exactly. Not quite their asses, exactly. but their knees. <laughs> Yes, yeah. We'll see if they're still standing at the end of the yeah. year. I'm, but, I'm uh, extremely concerned for Julius Randle right now. Yeah, he looks like he's yeah, lost, a, a, Julius, like he's lost a bit of weight. Julius Randle's playing like 30, 38 minutes a night or something. It's insane. He's like picking up triple doubles just because like if you play enough, like eventually you'll get those stats. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I tuned I in the other night just because I love watching Mike and Clyde. And um, they, I think they, debut, yeah. they debuted their new uh, the city uniforms or whatever. <laughs> Mike, Mike asked, he asked uh, Clyde what he, what he thought of him, and he, he said he'd thrown away better, which I thought was fucking amazing. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, uh, yeah, I don't know, I've thrown away better. It's like, God bless Clyde. Uh, he's at the age now. Guys, guy's still got his fastball. They're not going to fire him, are they, at this age? You know? Nah, I think Clyde, I, I hope he's not going to retire, because it just seems nah. he's saying like whatever he wants at this point, because like he knows he's untouchable it's at this hilarious. point. Yeah. I love it. I love it. It's so good. He's, he's in the Bill Walton zone now. He just doesn't yeah, give a yeah. fuck. Let, let, let's be honest. This is the Knicks. Nobody's untouchable. <laughs> Charles Oakley was escorted <laughs> out by security. Let's be at the garden. Yeah. Like, anything can happen at the Knicks. <laughs> as long as he stays in Dolan's good graces, he's fine. I'm trying to remember the last time we talked. Aside from the Knicks, I think you guys were saying that you were into the Sixers, right? You went to a Sixers game? Yeah. We've been to a couple of Sixers games. A couple of Sixers yeah, games, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Have you caught any of the Sixers games this year thus far? Not really the Philly Six. I mean, Doc isn't as particularly inspiring coach, is he? He's going to make them better than under Brett Brown, but uh, there's, there's still underlying questions about the makeup of that team and particularly their two yeah. big stars. Um, and I think we're probably too many years into it now for it to be undecided and somebody just needs to make a decision here on what direction that franchise is going in for the next four or five for years. sure yeah it's strange it's, it's tough i don't know it's hard to take hard to rush to any judgments after sort of five six games because it's just been so odd i don't know it's like i really like watching dallas and i really like watching denver and they both really struggled out of the gate and stuff. Um, so it's, I don't know. The Lakers must be looking at this and just thinking, can't see any team that's going to beat us four times. Yeah, they're like, okay, I guess this will just be easy. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so I don't know. It's, I, don't, I think it's probably going to be like mid-February before we can really get it. I mean, it's probably going to take like 20, 30 games for players just to be like, so you're my teammate, right? Yeah. <laughs> what are the plays exactly? 
this is essentially extended preseason basketball. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so many guys are, are playing themselves into shape. Yeah, these yeah. guys signed a contract like three weeks ago, a month ago. You know, they probably barely know who their teammates and coaches are. So, Especially if you're a rookie as well. It's like people are like, you know, they're criticize, critiquing sort of James Wiseman and Lonzo Ball or whatever. It's like these dudes have played no fucking basketball in God knows how long. <laughs> yeah. Especially in Wiseman's case, he didn't even play in college. It's like, can, can we give the guy a season? Lots of people in England like sort of seem to have, hitch their wagon to the sort of the Brooklyn Nets because they seem to be like this cool oh, yeah? sort of team to watch and stuff and um, they are the, they are the cool team in New York let's be honest I mean you know it it <laughs> is the team of Basquiat and Biggie Smalls so oh, God. It's all a bit can't, get, can't get cooler yeah. than that don't get me going on the Basquiat stuff fucking hell <laughs> I mean it's you know talk about uh, so uh, hip hop it's, it's, uh, it's not even yeah. funny I mean are we going to have this mm. we're going to I think essentially from what I can tell we're already looking at the playing tournament again it's like when something's yeah. gonna happen when's that gonna start yeah i guess yeah yeah uh, be a strange few months ahead i'm sure um, yeah for sure. we'll see I, it's gonna be a i think it's a serious one an existential crisis yeah. at this point i think I everyone's mean, just waiting for james harden to get traded yeah so they can have something to talk about i guess but right, where do you think right. harden's gonna land do you guys have a leader in the clubhouse as far as James Harden destinations? I still, I still think Philly are going to get involved. I really do, uh, in some capacity. Mm. Whether that involves Ben Simmons or not, I don't know. But um, I think it's. A- I feel like it's got to if if it happens. I feel like the ones I've heard about are Philly, Miami. I mean, Denver would be a team that could trade for him. I don't know that they ever would, but but they certainly have things you'd imagine. Houston would be interested in a couple of talented young players, draft picks, etc. I guess the dark horse might be Toronto. Yeah, Toronto. If if this bad start sort of continues, and um, Siakam just looks shook still, even you know, he really does. So, so they, they, weird. They would be sort of definitely my dark horse, like you say. But I can't see it with. Um, I, I don't. I think they're too smart for that. I can't see it with Denver. Denver seem like the most cautious franchise in the world. They never do anything particularly risky. Um, so I just mm. I can't see it with them. And, and would Harden stay in Denver? You know what I mean? And that's the, I think that's the, with Toronto for yeah. that same reason. I think after Kawhi. The, yeah, but I, I don't think Toronto care though. Do you know what I mean? I don't think. No, no, but I, I don't think necessarily they see him as being the player that will no, deliver right. the title. So no. do you want to go through that thing where you yeah. give up a lot to get him just for him to walk off again? Yeah, so it's tough, man. Who knows? Dylan Gav, remind us again where we can get your podcast. So it's the Pick and Roll Podcast. Uh, it's available in Apple Podcasts, uh, on SoundCloud. All the places you can get your podcast. Yeah, SoundCloud, uh, Apple Podcasts, uh, Stitcher. You can check out our YouTube channel. Uh, Pick and Roll UK, where we upload NBA games from Him, yesteryear on the on the regular, <laughs> pretty much a daily basis. <laughs> Gavin's like, don't don't involve me in that. I've got a ton of regular season games from the Knicks '93 '94 uh, season, where you went to the uh, the finals game, ready to upload. MSG, Marv, John, Andreas. So I'll get them up over the next few oh, weeks yeah. for your. Uh, <laughs> I'm getting hot under the collar here, guys. <laughs> All right, guys, this is a lot of fun. We're excited to have you back on the show, uh, hopefully later in the yeah. season. Thanks Thank you guys so much. Yeah, yeah, Always a, a pleasure. See yeah. you soon. You can listen to Switch. 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 Switch.